How are we doing, folks? Motown Rundown. It is March 12th. It is a Friday. Shout out to, uh, you know what? I'm not even, let me let me get on my soapbox to start the show. Love it. We, we told you guys, we told you guys last episode that from now on, we were going to record on Wednesdays. The episode was going to be available on Thursdays. And credit to me for, for shouldering the blame, because this is all on me that we are now releasing an episode. I don't know if we'll release it today on Friday as we're recording or on Saturday, but I brought Bally's after me. I effed up bad. Yeah. Just, just bad on me. And I'll be the first to admit that I'm going to stand here as a, as a man. And I'm going to fess up to the fact that I, I fucked up two times in a row. I don't know what, <laughs> I think it was Wednesday. So I'll, not that I'm making excuses because everyone knows I'm not an excuse guy whatsoever. I don't make excuses, but what I will say is Wednesday when we were supposed to record at night, KLA conference championship for your Novi Wildcats, very, very stressful, draining game. Didn't get the job done, neither here nor there, but I come home and realize, oh shit, we're still supposed to record Motown Rundown. Couldn't do it. Wasn't in the mental capacity to do it. Then Thursday, I had a buddy come home that I haven't seen in a while. So while I was at his house eating dinner, I realized I told these guys I couldn't record Wednesday, so we had to do it Thursday. And of course, I messed that up too. So now here we are on Friday. And we're recording. So um, that's on me, guys. I'm sorry. Brock, you hear that? Don't. Uh, it's not on me, Brock. I'm sorry, dude. Listen, listen. Brock's thing was he, he's he's at the Big Ten tournament right now. So he, he made the drive last night. So I'm assuming he wanted to listen to the Motown Rundown on his way to Indianapolis as he's driving through the night for three hours, four hours, however long that drive is. I think that's what it was. That's fair. But you know, yeah. Nonetheless, Brock, Brock, big fan of the pod. So yeah, he was he was pissed off that there wasn't an episode. Let me do this. I'm gonna give my I'm gonna give my Tim Tebow speech here. I'm not gonna get emotional, but <laughs> I promise you, I promise you, right now on Friday, March 12th, you will never see another podcaster work harder or do more for the rest of the season than I will do for this Motown Rundown podcast. We will never again. We will record on Wednesday. I don't care what time it is. I don't care where I am. We will be recording on Wednesday. We will be releasing on Thursday. You will never see someone put the time in like I will to this podcast. I promise you that right now. That's my Tim Tebow rah-rah speech. Well, I appreciate that. As we're now in episode 104, I'm, I'm glad that you're finally dedicated to being the best you can be. That's not, that's not what I was going for. I'm just saying now this was, this was the kick in the ass that I needed. I was got, I got complacent. I, I put myself too comfortable. the podcast. Yeah. So here we are, but we're an old Motown rundown, rundown fell and we, we got weak. We, yeah. We started iron sharpens iron. Now we got a lot back in as we're the only Motown rundown. Like a like probably a not. Phoenix, There's probably like three other ones. To be like a phoenix from the ashes, yeah. we rise into this beautiful new podcast, new life. Um, before we do the Detroit stuff today, it is it is March. It is madness. I was looking forward to watching Michigan State play Michigan again today, but why would why would they uh, why would they meet my expectations? Let's let's do a little Michigan State basketball corner with Ryan Collins. And Trent, you can jump into because you're a well. I mean, they're just really that. inconsistent. And I mean, yesterday they just like that was such a mentally like weak performance. Like they got in a little foul trouble and they just kind of folded. Like they weren't ready to play at all in the second half. Like the first half, whatever, you didn't foul trouble. You let them back into the game. 
but like second half, that was like a joke. So I, I don't know. I they're gonna be like a ten or eleven. I'm hoping for a ten because if they get a ten, I actually think they could beat a seven, and then they could cause a two some problems because they're just Michigan State and they have like winning DNA, like Gabe Brown, Aaron Henry. And uh, all those other guys, I mean, we're a part of that Final Four team. We're a part of, like, watching Cassius Winston. Like, that stuff helps in March Madness, like, to have that, like, continuity. So, I'm not going to, like, count them out of may- maybe being able to be a little frisky in the tournament. But, like, it is what it is. I mean, they made the tournament. They beat Michigan once. I mean, that's basically all you can ask for at Izzo. But where we were, like, a month ago after that Purdue game, it's pretty remarkable. So, I'm not going to complain just because they lost to Maryland yesterday. Yeah, you know what? The other thing is, now they get a full week off to rest. They're not yes. spin zone. Love the spin zone. <laughs> they're, they're staying in their nice hotels in Indianapolis for a full week, and then we just have to wait till Sunday to see what seed they're going to be. And you know what? Like, Collins, you alluded to it. It's better to be a ten or a seven than it is to be a nine or an eight. So you almost—I'm not going to say you're you're glad they lost, but if they beat Michigan again, then that's kind of like the conversation for the committee of, oh, are they a nine seed? And then you're looking at, oh, they got to play Baylor in the second round. So Also, what's it called? You, you limit your exposure so you don't get COVID before the tournament. Because uh, you just see, like, Kansas just got, had to drop out of uh, the Big 12 tournament, Duke, yesterday. And that's someone else. Duke, Duke is such a hoax. I think Coach K just doesn't want – he doesn't want us – They like- would have beat Florida State, so I don't know if that was a hoax. I don't think they were going to be. That was tough. Dude, that's a like tough. Like that walk on has to bear that. Yeah. Like, yeah, it was a walk on. I got it. Like, go go yell at the guy who looks like Ryan Collins on the back. Like, how does that come <laughs> out? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, that's really so tough. No, like, it, it's like, it, it was, it just happened. Let's not put the blame on anyone. Nope. Timmy Jr. over there, all on you. That's why dude's not making the tournament this year. I, it's kind of hilarious if you think about it. Coach K, retire. Retire, Coach K. How old is he? I think he's 70. He's in his 70s. 250. <laughs> yeah, he's he in his 70s. He's in like good shape, though, for like a, like a 78-year-old man, I feel like. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't look bad. I feel like he's got like five or six more years on Roman. He's going to be like 85. Like, think about that. He is 74 years old. Okay, maybe, yeah, he's probably – He'll be like – he's in coach till he's 80. Eh, we'll see. We'll see. But anyways, I, I, sorry, I'm not calling for his job. I just think, you know, he's, he, didn't, he kind of lost his fastball this year. Yeah. All right. Well, let's stick on the, uh, let's stick on the basketball train as we move into the Detroit stuff. Um, we got Pistons, Tigers, and Lions are back in the news this week. So we'll talk about a ton of Lions stuff at the end of the show. Um, but I guess – I mean, all-star break was just this weekend, correct? Or I guess this, this week, um, we talked about Blake Griffin being done essentially with the Pistons. It's weird how you're seeing, like, I think PJ Tucker's getting the same kind of treatment right now in Houston is like, if these guys aren't a part of the future and they don't really have business getting minutes from other guys, like that's it. Like, it's not, it's not a buyout. It's not whatever. It's just like, Hey, Take a little time for yourself here. You're not going to be a part of the team the rest of the way. So that's the treatment that Blake Griffin got uh, last time that we talked. Um, now he is officially a member of the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I don't know what else Piston stuff we have to do today except um, talk about this piece of news. I don't know how you guys want to attack it, how you guys think he'll do in Brooklyn, how he fits in there, I guess his legacy in Detroit. Um, have at it. 
Well, I mean, I, I just started off. I just didn't Blake. Griffin will always be remembered fondly because he didn't complain. He didn't bitch, even though he came into a situation where he thought they were going to be trying to like win. And it quickly turned around on him in about two years. Like, Oh, we're rebuilding. And he didn't really say anything. Like he was a good mentor as it seemed to all those young guys. I'd say too, and Killian Hayes and all those guys that came in. I think Derek Rose did the same thing too. You'd give him credit for that. Like they're receptive to it and they didn't really complain. And for one season, he was a top 15 player in NBA. So, I mean, I love Blake. He's, like, one of the most self-aware, like, athletes, I feel like, in the world. So, like, I mean, I hope he does well in the Nets. I don't think he has that much basketball left in him. Like, he's a smart player. I think he'll be a good rotational piece. But, like, anyone who thinks he's playing, like, closing minutes for the Nets, like, down the stretch in, like, playoff games, are crazy. That's not going to happen. He'll be a good, like, six or seven piece that, like – We'll have one game. We'll be like, oh, that was the Blake Griffin game in the Eastern Conference Finals where he had like 18 in the first half and gave him a good push. But he's not going to be a consistent piece for them, I don't think. Yeah, I, I, Collins, I echo everything you said in terms of like his impact in Detroit and the legacy he'll have as a Piston. Although it was just two and a half years, he was a – you know, the, the term like he's a, he's a real pro, he's a classic, that gets thrown around all the time. But Blake actually was for all the reasons you laid out. And then in terms of how he's going to do in Brooklyn, I mean, he went there for two reasons that he pretty much laid out, and that was to win a championship and because Brooklyn needed a four. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out because I don't really know if he's going to play crunch time. You're exactly right, Collins. Like, they might do some small ball stuff and put KD at the four and then yeah. Brown in there to defend or bring Jeff Green in to defend or something like that. Because I'm like Bruce Brown just, like, averaging, like, 20, like, two weeks ago. Yeah, he's he's balling right now with no with no KD. But you're you're exactly right. I just think time time's gonna tell on how effective he's gonna be there. But he's he definitely has basketball left in him, not a ton. But you're exactly right, Collins. I think he's gonna have at least one game or two in this playoff run. You know, assuming they're gonna make the playoffs, where it's like, you know, that was Blake Griffin doing doing Blake Griffin things because we've talked now for two years about how his game has evolved past just yes. Everything, you know, he, he, he's not just taking shots within three feet of the rim. He's now a better facilitator. He's a better, you know, passer. He's a better team leader and all that stuff. So I think the, the Nets got a good one. I just don't know how much he's actually going to play when it matters. And that's just something to keep an eye on for the Nets. I don't know. But thank you, Blake. Shout out, Blake. I think uh, when I think back on Blake's career here in Detroit, I totally agree with you guys. If like Blake Griffin – for as, as athletic and dominant as he once was back in his Clippers days, he's a very, like, I don't want to say underrated, but he's kind of like a low-key, like, one of those guys who's, like, he's a superstar, but, like, he's a, is he a star? Is he a superstar? And obviously, as time has gone on with injuries, he's kind of fallen off the, the path a little bit. But, no, I completely agree. Like, Blake, Blake Griffin, just one of those guys who, unfortunately, was put in, like, an impossible situation and his contract was just so bad from the from the circumstance of like, as he gets older, there was no way he was going to live up to the amount of money that he was getting paid. And it just goes back to the whole Stan Van Gundy thing and essentially setting the Pistons back a decade with all of his moves. But I think Blake really embodied the city of Detroit as far as being one of those lunch pail guys that just shows up and goes to work. And like, yeah, he was, I mean, he was, he was the reason why you watch the Pistons for the last, you know, X amount of years that he was, that he was here. I mean, there was really nothing else that would like spark your interest until this rebuild actually started 
going on. And now you see guys like Sadiq Bay and Seku and Killian Hayes, who obviously you haven't seen in multiple weeks now. But and and now I think that's and especially that Derek Rose has gone too. Like this is like this is your rebuild. Like you're in you're in the basement right now of your rebuild. And I shouldn't even say basement because you've seen some nice pieces so far in Sadiq Bay, Saban Lee. I mean, you Seku now is going to be able to get more minutes now that Blake is gone. Um, but either way, as far as as far as Blake's career in in Brooklyn goes, did you guys did you guys see those videos on Twitter of Blake in practice and people were saying like, oh, he was just like he was just holding out on the Pistons to try to get moved or something like that. Yeah, like he doesn't he doesn't look explosive. Like he's he's not explosive anymore. He's on two he's on two bad knees. But I I mean Blake Griffin is a guy that's uh, a seasoned veteran and as a pro's pro, as you said, Trent, like he's, he'll he, come, come down the stretch in playoff time. You're going to, you're going to see the, why the, the Nets, I mean, we're, we're so hell bent on pursuing Blake Griffin and he's going to be a nice piece for them. So other than that, um, I got, I got one more thing. Yeah, wanna, go ahead. Can I, can I give my quick Ben Wallace spiel? Oh yeah. 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 Go ahead. <laughs> well, were you, were you done with Blake or were you ready? Yeah, I got, no, I got nothing left on Blake. I was going to move on, but yeah, give your, what is, so he's a finalist to be in the hall of fame this year. Correct. That's what he, we're looking he is at. A finalist. He is a finalist. And I'm assuming everyone listening to this is a Detroit Pistons fan and they would like to see Blake or not Blake, Ben Wallace in the hall of fame. <clears throat> I just wanted to highlight some things real quick because it gets, it gets thrown under the radar too much. He won four de- defensive player of the year awards. And, you know, everyone these days, you know, we think of Kawhi Leonard as the best defender in the league. He's got two of them. You know, Ben Wallace won four. So that's huge. Um, and the one year he actually didn't – he won four in five years. And the one year he didn't win the deploy uh, was 2004 when the Pistons won the championship, ironically. But he also was a five-time All-NBA player. And I don't think any player who plays center and scores less than five points a game would ever get All-NBA honors these days. But that just <clears throat> that just speaks to how different the NBA was back then. But dude, to lead the league in rebounds, to lead the league in blocks, to be all defensive, all NBA, a champion, and an all-star when your career averages are five points and ten rebounds a game, I put him in the hall. I don't know what I don't know what more you have to see. Six foot nine, maybe the most dominant defensive center ever. Defensive. Like just owning that side of the owning that side of the ball. The Pistons aren't even a top three team in the East. Any of those years without Ben Wallace. So put well, him in the hall. The thing about it is people are like, oh, his game wouldn't translate. He would be better now. Like, he would. Like, he, he – I, I know offensively that he was, like, anemic and, like, stuff like that. You might not be able to play – but, like, defensively, he would be able to switch on everyone, and he would be – an in, like, he would be the best rim protector in the league. So I, I'm just – and you probably couldn't hide him on offense like they did back in then. I get that, but he should be in the Hall of Fame. He's like a, probably a top five defender in the last like twenty years, and was a major contributor on like three, four Eastern Conference Finals teams and two teams that went to like championship series and won one. So I don't know. Is Chauncey in the Hall of Fame? By the way, nope. he's not. I think Chauncey should be in over Ben Wallace personally. Well, I mean, I would maybe tend to agree with you, but. Ben Wallace, I don't get that. Ben Wallace has the better resume if you just look at like checking boxes off, but you know he's won more like awards Sean. and stuff like that. And I know that doesn't always matter. I think it's more if, if you're a Pistons fan and you watch those teams, you remember those teams. Chauncey was a a bigger part, but Ben yeah. Wallace they, they don't win it without either one. That's obvious. So no, yeah, I just like I I just don't get it. Like Chauncey 
I feel like he has a pretty good resume. I, I don't know how many all-star games he went to, and I know it might be little, but, like, I don't know. Chauncey was an effective player in the league for a very long time. I think the last – that was probably some of the last basketball that I, like, truly enjoyed watching in the NBA was, like, the going-to-work Pistons. And well, then I, like, like – But you regular see – Regular season, they never lost. Well, that's – you just you, – you just see how much the game has changed and like the brand of basketball at the going to work Pistons would play was just fantastic. Like they just beat, they just beat the shit out of you and they move on. Like that's the games obviously changed a lot, but Ben, I mean, obviously we're biased because we're huge uh, Pistons guys, but no, I, I, I'm with you, Trent, put Ben in the hall. What a, what a, what a defensive asset, like yeah. watching Ben Wallace send balls like six rows deep at the palace. It was yeah, just well, unbelievable. Well, People just, you know, these days they're like, oh, <clears throat> Rudy Gobert, the stifle tower. It's like, okay, oh, sweet. He's 7'2. Give me a break. Ben Wallace is six foot nine. He would leap up there, get it right at the apex. Sometimes it was on its way down, but that's fine. And he just yeah, send it into the seats. Take it back. <laughs> I love it. All right. Well, let's put uh we'll put the piston stuff aside for the rest of the episode. Let's go. Wait, wait, wait. Into- also, also, oh, oh, also great. Sorry. I don't mean to keep interrupting. No, 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 no. It's fine. Ben Wallace and, and Rabs, I know you'll agree with this. Ben Wallace, probably the best PA intro of all time. Yes. Yeah, from Virginia Union University. Oh, I just want to throw that out there. Don. Ben. Yeah, I know. Then the. I don't know. I can't like Chauncey's better. Wearing the red, white, blue tonight. Six three. Chauncey. Phillips. I like that one a little bit better. Mason's Mason's a legend. It's all I, dude, I feel like Mason's kind of lost the juice in recent years. He needs to. Yeah. I just want the Pistons to be good for Mason. For Mason and George Blaha. <laughs> yeah. George Blaha is going to call games until he might he might die in the booth. Like I he, hope he does because he's fantastic. He's, He'll he, probably be the a consummate pro at 99 if he gets there. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, also, one last quick shout out for Ben Wallace, uh, co owner of the Grand Rapids Drive. Yeah. Oh, that's right. People forget that they're moving to Detroit, though, aren't they? No, they're like they're staying in Grand Rapids, and they're affiliate with a different team. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, because the Pistons wanted their G League team in Detroit. Which no, that I makes don't... sense, but it's just weird. Like I've yeah. been, I live in Grand Rapids. I've been to some. Dude, of the... that place. That place is a dump. No Deltaplex. <laughs> yeah, it's a fire hazard, dude. Holy shit, it's a dump. <laughs> Saw Luke Combs there. Um, either way, I digress. <laughs> Um, spring has sprung. It is a beautiful day. It's been a, it's been a great stretch of weather here in Michigan. It really has been, been beautiful outside. It was like 70 degrees yesterday. Um, but the Tigers are rolling in spring training down in Lakeland right now. Um, I guess some, just some storylines to look at some players that have been awesome that I love to see Willie again, it is, it is spring training. They've only played about 10 games or so. Jamer Condelario is batting 412 right now. Willie Castro is batting 389. Akil Badu, I don't know if I'm saying his name properly, the guy that the Tigers got in the Rule 5 draft, I believe, if that's – I think that's what it was. Batting 357. Cody Clemens through nine games is batting 333. This Dylan Dingler, the catcher from Ohio State, batting 333 as well. So um, I think the bats the bats have been really ripping for the, for the Tigers, at least for the guys that you – we're looking to, to turn the corner and, and really solidify a spot in this lineup this year. Um, Riley Green has struggled a bit through seven games. Robbie Grossman's only batting like 175 through eight games too. Um, so there's a couple guys that you're looking at and, and wishing they would 
they would kind of get the bats going. But there's a lot of spring training baseball left to be played here uh, until opening day comes around in April. Um, other than that, pitching wise, um, I can, just looking at these ERAs, and obviously you can't, that doesn't tell the whole story, but through three games, Buck Farmer's EIA, ERA is above 30. So you hate to see that. Um, Matthew Boyd's had a couple good outings. Obviously these starting pitchers don't really pitch a ton of innings um, in, in spring training, but um, either way, uh, spring is, is rolling. I don't know how much you guys have been paying attention to the team and whatnot, but. Well, what's it called? I, I've told you I got like a group chat with a bunch of Tiger, like psychopaths, like they, they grind. Every, and, and I'm like, it's like noon and whatever. And there's been a college basketball wall to wall, I think for the last like, week, basically, and some other stuff. So I'm watching like sports or I'm watching Malcolm in the middle or something. And I got buddies going like nice AB Torkelson, get this guy off the team. I'm like, what? I'm like, where are you guys even watching this? I don't understand <laughs> where they're getting it, but like, I mean, Torque hasn't looked great. What I, from what I've perceived from my group chat, but I mean, it's early. So I wouldn't like worry there, but um, looking at this roster, I'm just, I'm curious about the outfield and I'm always, and, and I'm very curious to see what the opening day um, roster looks like. And I was asked this, who do you think gets the opening day start? Cause it can't be Boyd again, right? Fulmer. No, Fulmer no it won't be well. Fulmer. It won't be Fulmer. Dude, Fulmer, Turnbull? I think he's only pitched in. Yeah. I would actually probably, say yeah, Turnbull, probably Turnbull. I would say Turnbull. Wasn't Fulmer's it Turnbull been in two games here. Wasn't it Turnbull last season? No, it was Boyd. And he got rocked the first inning against the Reds. Yeah, shocking. I got to watch Matthew Boyd back-to-back home runs to lead it. Well, I don't know what that stat was last year about, like, how many starts in, in one season have you allowed, like, back-to-back. He had, like, five starts that he allowed back-to-back home runs in the first inning. It was unbelievable. I, I'm so sick of watching Matthew Boyd. But I think it'd be Turnbull. I think it looks like Michael Fulmer's stats. He's pitched in two games. He started two games. Uh, four innings. He's allowed six hits, seven runs, seven earned, three home runs. Not good at all. Like just, well, just really, really bad. Yeah, he's, so, he's, he's got to get it back. I guess the only reason I say him for opening day is because it's it's juice. I think everyone is kind of excited to get him back and stuff. But you know, if you're gonna follow the traditional pitch your best player on opening day, then yeah, it'd probably be Turnbull, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I and and I, Spencer Turnbull is an interesting character because. When he first came onto the scene, he had a really, really strong case for for being a guy that would just cement his role in the rotation. Obviously, the last year, year and a half, I don't think he's pitched quite as well. But a lot of it, I think, was circumstantial as far as not getting a ton of run support. Um, but I think I think Turnbull, when you look at the starting rotation, probably has the best stuff right now. And that's just thinking about. I mean, that's just that's just thinking about how you know Scooble and Mize were both rookies last year, and you're kind of waiting to see. How, how this year shapes up for him, but between Boyd and, and whoever else you want to throw, I don't know if they plan on giving Tyler Alexander some starts. He started one out of his three games that he's appeared in, uh, in spring so far. So then you got to throw in uh, what they have. They have Julio Tehran, who I, I don't know if I'm assuming he'll probably make the opening day roster. Um, but I think Spencer Turnbull is a guy that you look at and, and I could, you know, I could see the, the Tigers looking at him to be a guy that could be your fourth or fifth, uh, pitcher in that rotation going forward even I mean I don't know I don't know what Spencer Turnbull's ceiling really is but I think at this point I mean he's probably going to be your opening day starter and depending on how these other pitchers shake out between Scooble and Mize and and Manning and whoever else you're trying to give, get a get some time in the starting rotation I'd like to think that Turnbull's going to be kept around I have to imagine that the Tigers stock and 
Turnbull is way, way higher than it is in Fulmer right now. Like if Fulmer doesn't have a good year, I can't imagine he'll be back next year. Well, the the way this Tigers pitching staff is right now, it's the 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 juice is all in the younger dudes who haven't quite arrived. And I don't think that's really a hot take. Like if you look at it, it's like Matthew Boyd, like you laid out Ravs. Everyone's kind of sick of him. Fulmer, his stock has gone way down, like you said. He's just injury prone. And then it's like Turnbull, yeah, he's your guy right now. But on a, on a, on a championship team or even a, a winning team, a perennial playoff team, he's like maybe your second guy. So the juice is definitely more with the younger dudes, but obviously you can't give them the opening day start yet because some of them aren't even full-time starters. Yeah, I, I what's it called? Looking at the like, rotation, I and Fulmer, like I don't know what – are they going to do the whole pitch count thing again? They, they, wanna... they better not, dude. I, I'm that so, was ridiculous. Uh, so asinine. Well, that's so, yeah, the pitch two innings. Is ruining baseball. I get it. I get, the, I get the reason for him. It's a little different, but it's just stupid. It's like, yeah. it's a strict number. Like, you can't go past 70 pitches. It's like, what the hell? Well, he would just pitch like two innings. He was pitching like four. Like, he was literally throwing like 45. And I, I get it. Coming back from an injury like that. That's fine. But the thing with Michael Fulmer is like, he's not like a 20 year old kid. You know, he's, he's mid twenties. Now You're, you need to give the guy a somewhat of a legitimate shot to prove himself and, and get like, some, if he's get some innings. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that. And that's, I don't know if, I don't know. Just if, don't if, do if, that. How about that? We're, we'll just leave it at that. I just, no pitch because count. that was like infuriating to watch. So I don't know if, if they have any plans to like move him to the bullpen too, if he's like not, I mean, he really hasn't gotten a shot in the bullpen. I don't know if they're going to look at him and go, we want to keep you around because like, you know, we think you have some decent stuff, but we just can't start you. Like that's and Daniel Norris is another guy too. Like, is he going to get innings in the starting rotation? I'd like to see him. I mean, he's, he's been pretty decent to start the spring. He was, he was good like, last year. So I, I'd like I don't to see know. I get some innings in the starting rotation. I'm a proponent of keeping him in the bullpen just because like, if he's comfortable there, keep him there. Cause he's just, he was just so good. But I mean, this year's gonna be way different than last year. The way how they handle their pitchers. So I'm just very interested to see what they do with Fulmer, what they do with Turnbull, what they do with Boyd, and like because I, I, they have to. I'm assuming they're gonna come out of the season with a six-man rotation. I'm just assuming the way it, it, yeah, it stands right for now. Sure, for sure. So for sure. we'll see. I don't know. It is gonna be interesting to see who quote unquote wins the battle for third base because the way things are going right now, it's like. Candelario, we've talked ad nauseum, should be your third baseman. But Isak Paredes has kind of played well, and he's made a case for himself. So it'll be interesting. Well, Paredes is going to be on the team. I, I just – I like, Paredes is not, like, some all-star, like, fl- I mean, like, some all-world defensive third baseman. So, I like, I feel like you could find him a spot, like, maybe you mix him in a couple games at, like, second base because, like, unless his bat is that hot, like, there's no reason to make sure that he's somewhat in the lineup – at third base, but I mean, I, yep. I to be honest, I mean, I haven't like wa- been able to watch one. I like I watch highlights and stuff. Do, have they had Candy at first at all this spring? Uh, I think I believe he was there for a game or two, maybe. But I know like I've seen Torkelson's been playing at first with Candy at third. Miggy's had a couple had a couple starts at first, so it, it, it doesn't seem like they're trying to put peg Candy into that hole of like you're going to be the everyday first baseman, which I love. So I, is it Torkelson? No, it's, it's Torkelson. I, if you see him this year, I'd be surprised you, I could see you potentially seeing Riley green come September. Um, but I don't think that Torkelson is, is ready to play yet, but it, it just seems like, cause again, we have to remember too, 
under garden hires tutelage is where the talks were like, we're going to try to put candy at first and we want Torkelson to, to become a third baseman. So yeah. I don't know if that is, was coming primarily from Alavila or garden hire, but it seems like with AJ Hinch, I mean, it would just, again, it, it would, it's the right move to play him at third every day. So Nico Goodrum's had a pretty decent spring. We, we, I talked about this last week. I'm fine with him playing first base. Like I'm, if you want him in the lineup, to, to just take some of the starts away from Miggy at first, fine, go ahead. But, that's but I would, that's yeah, it. I would like to see Torkelson become like, like be a everyday first baseman. If he can hit, like play him at first and Miggy can DH the last year or two of his career. Like that's, I don't, I don't see why it has to be that complicated. So I yeah, don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I, got, I don't know. Any, I mean, we're going to see like the next couple of weeks and like when it's like the roster, like it's finalized, but. I mean, right now I don't know. Have much to say other, other than the fact that Willie Casher looks awesome. Like, yep. looks like the Tigers. I mean, I think they gave up Leonis Martin. Yes, that was that right? trade. Yep. Yep. So I mean, that's like one that they kind of stole. Like just a, a five-tool guy. Really, given the fact that they've dealt the, the other players, they've dealt away and haven't really gotten much. That's that's unbelievable. That that Leonis Martin is the best trade the Lions have made or the, <laughs> made in this, in this rebuild. But yeah, yeah. hey, I want I want to bring up one more thing to you guys because I know you you both feel some type of way about the shift. It looks like AJ Hinch is going to shift a shit ton. Like he's just yeah, that's what he does. Shift. Well, that's what everyone like. He sh- I, I, like the shift will if you watch baseball day in and day out. Like the shift probably like statistically it made sense and it works. But like as a true blue baseball guy. Right. There's nothing more infuriating when there's guys on second and third and you're in a shift and it's like a routine ground ball to the yeah. second baseman and there's nobody there. Right. It will yeah. literally make you want to like rip your hair out and jump off a building because right. you're like, oh, it works. you're like, so it's like scopes that have been there. Like, what are we doing here? Dark? Like stuff like that. But I mean, that's what, I mean, that's what the Astros did when he was there. They shifted a ton and they're big into the analytics. So, I mean, I'm not surprised. The, the whole shifting thing causes so much controversy and it's funny to, to I, I, I totally see both sides of it. Like they should get rid I, of it, dude. Well, that's the thing is like getting rid of it, it. It's, I don't even know how you would make the rule. Like you have to have two infielders on the right side of second base and two on the left, like for every at bat. Like I, I, I just think that when it comes to defensive alignment, obviously if the shift they wouldn't they wouldn't shift on batters if it didn't work so on one hand it's like it's just it's just good strategy I mean outfielders have shifted for years you just play if a guy's more of a pole hitter you kind of you know you shade your center fielder to one side of the outfield or whatever you, you move your you move your corner outfielders closer to the line or closer to center field or whatever but I I do understand the sentiment of like when you get a guy like Christian Stewart off at bat who literally only pulls the baseball and you stack all every single infielder on the right side of second base, it's, it's like infuriating because you're like, just lay a bunt down the third baseline or just poke one out to left field or go, go oppo, which obviously is much, much, much easier said than done when guys are throwing 101 miles per hour at you. So I don't know. I, I, I know there's been talks about like, you'll see every summer on or every off season on Twitter, people like, they need it. They need to talk about getting rid of the shift and this and that. And like, I, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I get, I get both sides. Like it is frustrating to see, to see one of your players hit into a double play because the, the, the third baseman is playing in right field and you just hit a hard grounder to him. And all of a sudden it's a double play. Like I get that, but 
at the same time, man, it's, it's strategy. It's, it's baseball, it's defensive alignment. So who knows, but I hate not, it, dude. I it's hate not shift. a, it's not, it's not a hill that I'm willing to die on. Any I side. am dude. I hate the shift. I like despise it, but we can move on. All right. Well, let's uh, last team to get to here. I will, you know what? I will plug the Red Wings for a second. They did take uh, the game last night against the lightning it took them to overtime in the game before they played against them, which the Lightning, one of the best teams in the league. So good for the Red Wings for showing some fight. There's my there's my Red Wings talk for the week. There's really not much else to discuss until the trade deadline inches closer. So good for the Wings, guys. Thanks for thanks for uh, giving us your best. Um, but we'll move into Lions stuff now. Um, it's awesome that we have a ton of Lions stuff to talk about. Um, we have several cuts to talk about. We have obviously Kenny Galladay we'll touch on. Um, I don't know where we want to attack it. Trent, where, where would you like to start with the Lions news? Well, I think first we got to talk about the whole franchise tag situation with Kenny Galladay and Romeo Quara both hitting the mark. That's, okay. That to me is the biggest news right now. Well, what's it called? TB, were you more upset that they're losing Romeo or Kenny? Romeo, and I know that's probably the unpopular answer, but I just because look, the tag for Romeo for DNs, I believe it was about 17 and a half million. And it's like, is Romeo Aquara worth that? Not really, but it's just it's a it's a franchise, it's one year, it's a franchise tag. You get to keep him on the roster. And I and I, I was just one of those guys who like loved the fact that we had brothers on a team and that'll give you a little extra juice. So I hate to see that, but all all jokes aside, if you don't have a pass rush, man, you have nothing. And I know we've talked, given the Lions' schedule coming up this year, it's like they're not going to win because they're going to be a bad team led by a mediocre quarterback and a first-year head coach. It's going to take some time. Everyone understands that. But I just want the team to be somewhat watchable. And I think having a good pass rush, which you know we saw for three years under Patricia with terrible pass rushes and just getting gashed all the time, I thought that bringing in a new scheme and everything, Aaron Glenn – Maybe they, they make it a little more interesting, blitz a little more. And Romeo Quara just factually has been your best defensive end for the last two years. And hello, you're paying Trey Flowers, what is it, like $18 million a year? So, I, you know, so then to that point, like, I don't know, Collins, I would pay uh, Romeo Quara Trey Flowers' money because Romeo Quara has produced twice of what Trey Flowers has. So I think I was just ultimately upset about that. But, you know, the, 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 like, if you ask me to get, put a number on what I think Romeo's worth, I don't know, because I think he could probably go get more somewhere else than what Detroit would, would be willing to pay him. And I'm always a player's first guy. Like, go get your money. Uh, and as far as Kenny goes, I, I, it's just the more we thought about it, you know, I know we talked about this weeks ago um, when, when this whole thing was first happening. It's, he's 27. He, he's a little injury prone. And I know I, I saw all the stats. I didn't know he was 27, to be honest, guys. I, that's why I was a, such a big proponent in keeping him. But I didn't know he was 27, TV. You can continue. Well, I, I think the reason people forgot that was because, you know, he, he we did draft him in 2017. So it has, he hasn't been – he's only been on the team three years. But it's just – he I think he played three years in college or maybe all four. I don't know. So I had to play four or something. I don't know. But he's older, a lot older than I thought he was. Yeah, he, he's, he's 27. He's a little injury prone. And, Rabs, I know you you – would back me up on this, and this is this is a hill you would die on. You wouldn't pay Kenny Galladay top dollar, and I wouldn't either because he, oh. he just even at his best, he's not producing what De- DeAndre Hopkins is and Devontae Adams and these guys who do get that kind of money. And the last thing I'll say is this: 
We are all Stafford guys. This was a Stafford Apologist podcast. I would be the first one to tell you I love Marvin Jones. Matthew Stafford made Marvin Jones. Matthew Stafford, I think, in part made Kenny Galladay. So without Matthew Stafford here, I do not like Kenny Galladay as much. He becomes a lot less attractive with Jared Goff throwing him the football. So that, that's just – that's where I stand on the whole thing. I'm totally – I like Kenny. I hope he gets paid. I hope someone, you know, really – you know, I've heard the Patriots might go get him now that they got Cam Newton for another year. So – Whatever, things to monitor, but no, he absolutely was not worth I don't I would have been fine tagging him, but not signing him to a long year deal. That that's that's just kind of my two cents on the whole situation. Well, I mean they get compensatory, I think, third rounder for Kenny. Correct. Do they get anything for Romeo? Does anyone know that? I don't think so. No idea. I also well, don't even know what that I, I, the whole thing with Kenny is compensatory is like at the end of the third round. So after like everyone's made their draft picks. I think they like add on like eight or nine like compensatory picks in between the third and fourth round. Gotcha. So it's technically like an early fourth or something. But um, just like, I mean, I have been a huge like you got to keep Kenny Galladay, you got to keep Kenny Galladay. But like because I was like you need an asset out of him, and it kind of sucks because I think a third rounder is not the value that Kenny Galladay is worth. I think he's worth maybe two seconds or maybe a late first. But like. I disagree with you guys in the fact that I would pay Kenny Galladay top dollar, but it's clear that the Lions are going in a direction where they're going to stink the next two years. So why would you want that on your cap and stuff? And I have no idea how the NFL cap works. You could see that as the Lions have literally like cut everybody the page uh, Patricia signed, like every single person. I'm like, I don't know how you're just able to cut these guys outright. You know what I mean? Well, because so the have, NFL is different where all the money isn't guaranteed. You only get. No, I know, I know, but I'm I'm just saying like so, like. I don't know. I just, I understand not. It's all, it's like all not guarantee and majorities. A lot of these guys contracts is like from signing bonuses and stuff, but like, I don't understand what dead cap even means <laughs> stuff like that. So like, I, I don't know. So I'm not going to elaborate on that, but in the question of Romeo and Kenny probably two weeks ago, because I was less knowledgeable about the subject, I'd probably say Kenny, I, I would agree with Romeo. I just don't get not keeping a guy who's 25 that has produced for you. And I don't think you would have had to like give him a team's ransom. Like I really like, yeah, I really don't think you would have had to pay that much. And if not, just use the tag on him. I don't know. I, I, I liked Romeo Aquara. I think keeping him here, I think would be better for your culture than worse. But I, I also understand the fact that they're trying to just like rebuild it from the ground up. So I, I, I understand the move, but I, I'm a little salty about Romeo. Like, Galladay, I kind of got over quicker, but, like, it sucks because I, I, I disagree with you guys. I think when Galladay's right, he's a top-ten receiver. Like, I, I really do. But, I mean, it, if they had Stafford and they were ready to go for another, yeah. like, two two to three years, they're signing Galladay. Oh, hell it's yeah. Just, and you know it's what? more of a circumstantial thing. Just to hammer that home before we get Rab's thoughts, Collins, you are exactly right in that if the Lions still had Matthew Stafford and were maybe ascending, like maybe they went seven and nine last year or, you know, like eight and eight, then obviously, yeah, break the bank, pay him. I've always been that kind of guy. I'm like, yeah, just go all in. And and you guys, you guys heard me beat the drum for three years on this podcast. Like, why not break the bank for some of these weapons? Just go all in in these three years that you have Stafford on under his contract. And now he's moved on, but whatever. Rabs, what did you think about everything? Well, I think in regards to the franchise tag situation, before we talk about guys that got caught, I think what this shows me is that Brad Holmes is not willing to pay guys 
He's not willing to have guys on the roster that make a ton of money for a team that he knows is probably not going to be very good right now. So not signing Kenny Galladay long-term. And I've, I, as the year went on, again, I'm, I, I loved watching Kenny Galladay. But as the year went on, it just became more and more apparent to me that he wants to get paid a lot of money. I'm sure there's a team out there that's going to pay a ton of money because as Colin, I agree, Collins. I think when he's healthy, he probably is a top 10 to 15 wide receiver. But with that being said, I, as Trent said, I think a lot of Kenny Galladay's best production has come at the hands of Matthew Stafford being able to throw the ball in a spot where Kenny can go up and get it as this train is now passing by my office. Thanks a lot. Um, but I, yeah, I, but I, like, I, I don't think it's like you look at a lot of like Kenny's catches. Like you hear this train. Yeah. It's unbelievable. I it's mean, like you're, it's like you're living at Holden hall. Like you're like trying a, to go like to a, bed. It's like a Seinfeld episode. Anyway, continue. Sorry. I, I, I think Kenny, Kenny like translates so like, he made some insane catches and I like Stafford I think you could credit for like Marvin Jones success I think you could credit Golden Tate's success to Matthew Stafford but like just like going up and playmaking ability when Kenny Galladay was right the last two years I think he's the top eight receiver in the league yeah sure I, I just look I, I think back to my original point I don't think that that Brad Holmes even for a franchise tag was willing to hand the guy 17 18 million dollars when he's probably just trying to find some guys that can fill the roster that he that are that are more of his guys so I was totally fine with Kenny getting a franchise tag I will say there is an element to like the wide receiver position I'm not gonna I don't necessarily want to say that wide receivers are a dime a dozen but you can find good wide receivers deeper in the draft you can find guys in free agency that can play so it's not necessarily a spot to where I was like oh the the Lions are making a huge mistake by not keeping Kenny Galladay. Um, but I do think he will get signed for some big money by whatever team is out there. I honestly probably am more upset that they didn't sign Romeo Aquara. As you said, Collins, I don't think he was going to cost you a ton of money. He has factually been your best defensive end for the last couple of years, especially last year. And I don't know what the, you know, what the defensive. Like he is young. Like he could be a part of your future. Yeah, I don't know exactly like if he just if if this group just doesn't think he's going to fit the defensive scheme or what it is, but I always thought Romeo Aquara was a guy that had a really high motor. I do love the fact that his brother's also on the team who deserves to have a a shot at playing some real some real time this year because I think he is a tremendous talent. Um, but I don't know. I, I I guess they're just looking elsewhere, and I I don't think they want to have a lot of money tied up in in a handful of players, which is, which is totally fine. I would just think now, I mean, your wide receiver room right now really stinks uh, if you're the Lions. So you have to imagine, I don't think that it's seven. I'm not going to be upset if they don't take a Devonte Smith or a Jamar chase. I'd rather them have like a Micah Parsons or someone on the defensive, on the defensive side of the football that can actually make plays and is going to be a force. Um, but I think come second round, you're, you're going to have to find a receiver that you like. Cause I think the receiver class is pretty deep in this year's draft. Um, but it is what it is. I think Kenny Gallagher was fun to watch. If he didn't only play in five games last year, we were probably having a different conversation right now. If Matthew Stafford was around, we're probably having a different conversation right now. If the team didn't stink last year, we're probably having a different conversation right now, but I think the money that you're saving by not signing Kenny, will be put to good use. I wish him all the best. I mean, he is a fun player to watch, and I, I hopefully he has 
the remainder of his career is is extremely successful, but it wasn't the Lions were in no spot to give him the money that he thinks he should have gotten paid. So on on that front, um, I guess we can move into the other big news, which is guys that have been released, cut from this team. And as you guys were saying, it, it seems like every guy that was brought in in the Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia era has now been given a ham sandwich and a roadmap and, and said, see you later. Hey, real so, quick, did you, guys yeah. hear, did you guys hear that rumor about – well, it's not a rumor. It was just TJ Hawkinson and Bob Quinn. Did you hear that? No. What happened? Apparently Bob Quinn came up to Hawkinson like halfway through the year this season, and he was like, hey, you're not the same guy I drafted. You're having too much fun. You're messing around too much. You're not focused. <laughs> so, it, it just made me laugh because it's like they their whole shtick was like – Say, hey, man, you're having a career year. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you're one of the best tight end. You, you're probably a top end, tight, top five tight end in the league. Uh, can you pull back a little bit? We can't have that in the locker room. It just, it just made me laugh because I'm like, who the hell were those guys for three years? I, I, I can't believe that I ever <laughs> believed in those guys and bought in. And, and you know, I, I defended Bob, Bob Quinn, Quinn, man. I defended Bob Quinn even longer than Patricia, but then, like, after hearing that, that was, like, final nail in the cup. Like, yeah, you stunk, man. You don't want guys to have fun. You don't want guys to have a little bit of fun. I hate that. Anyway. The thing about it, like, Bob Quinn was, like, good, at, like, the first two years of this year, and then they fired Caldwell, and he, like, literally goes, like, ghost mode. He's like, okay, let's just, like, have Patricia be our GM, too. So, just a bizarre thing. But, uh, Rabs, what were you going to say? Yeah, so, uh, well, I'll rattle off the list of guys that were uh, were, were released by the Lions uh, this week or guys that are I think are, are have been told they will be released slash traded. So, um, Justin Coleman is out. Jesse James is out. Christian Jones is out. And I believe that Desmond Trufant has been told that he will either be traded or cut um, in the coming days slash week. So um, I guess we can go through those guys. I mean, the only, the only guy on the list that I'm kind of scratching my head at is probably Justin Coleman. I think the first year that you had Justin Coleman, he was absolutely tremendous. And he just, if, when you're talking about the lions, 10, 20 years from now, you'll be talking at a bar like, oh, remember the guy that used to punch the ball out, the, the cornerback we had for you once used to game. punch the ball out of people's hands? Yeah, yeah like so at least once a game. He was great at it. That's how you'll remember Justin Coleman. I think last year he definitely took a step back. And, again, looking at the totality of the defense, they never got in the backfield. Uh, their, their defensive back group wasn't all that solid completely. So um, I, I guess, again, I just don't think that Brad Holmes has any interest in having this big – money tied up in a handful of players especially guys that really haven't lived up to it um so justin coleman is gone um jesse james which turned out to be one of the worst signings that you've had in recent memory just as far as how much he was being paid and and not even the fact of his lack of production the lack of times that he was on the field was mind-blowing to me not that he even deserved the money he was given. I don't know what the thought process was behind that, but no harm, no foul on that. Desmond Trufant, who came in as a Band-Aid, was a Band-Aid the entire year for the Lions. Won't miss him at all. That was I, I think we were all a bit skeptical of that signing when it happened. I mean, we knew it was kind of like a replacement, you know, as you could say, as another train comes by, as you could say for Darius Slay. Um, but Desmond Trufant, no harm, no, no foul on that. And then Christian Jones, who I can't remember anything notable that Christian Jones did for the Lions. Except getting lost in coverage, like 45 yards down the field. 
And we're like, yeah, somewhat for some reason we got to re-sign this person Jones guy. Right. He did nothing for them. So, so whatever. So in the in the totality of those moves, I what I what I at least appreciate is that and as you said, Collins, dead dead cap release no cutting no, no idea clue. yeah no no idea what, how much you know I, it sounds like with all these moves though they're saving they're saving money i mean they're obviously getting guys off their payroll so they are saving some some chunk of change i just like the fact that brad holmes was not afraid to like because that was you know i guess on one hand he could have been like okay we're gonna take the roster that we have and we'll work with it. But I, I, I'm glad he at least has the wherewithal to realize there are some guys on this roster that are getting paid way too much money to do absolutely nothing. They need to be gone so we can have some money to go get guys that I want. I like that he at least has the balls to do that. So I don't know if you're going to miss any of these guys that I mentioned, if you're happy with the moves, but we can have some dialogue on that to end our Lions talk today. I will run through real quick, unless Collins, you want to go first. No, you can go first, TB. Okay, I'll just – real quick, I got the numbers for, like, what each guy, what's what it's saving you and stuff. And I, and I did a little bit of – I looked into this because I was confused how it works. Apparently, if you cut these guys now, you, you save less money. If you wait until June 1st, until after June 1st, you make significantly more money off them. But it's just, you know, a matter of, like, keeping them happy. That's why it was, like, the Lions have informed Justin Coleman he'll be released. It's, like, weird they – the way they phrase it, but you know, Justin Coleman, that's either going to save you 5 million or nine does true font 2.6. So those guys getting cut and Rabs, I agree with you about Justin Coleman. If it were up to me, I would have kept him around for at least one more season. I know the lions paid him to be the best nickel back in the league. And he really wasn't, but it just, he, he made plays for you on a defense that really never made plays. So to me, he definitely had value, but does true font. You're exactly right. was just a detriment. But what these two moves essentially mean is that, Jeff Okuda, who's 22 years old, and Amani Oruwariye, who I know counts, you're not huge on him, but he was your best corner last season on a terrible defense. I get it. He's 25. All that means is those two guys are going to be your guys rolling into the next probably two seasons at least. So I'm very excited about that. Um, I, you know, I, I like what I've seen from Oruwariye and his basically his first year getting a lot of PT was this season. And, and Jeff Okuda wasn't great, but I think we all kind of know where we stand on that. He might not live up to the third overall pick expectations, but I think he's going to be pretty nice in the league. So aside from that, Jesse James, Rabs, you're right. That signing wouldn't have been as as terrible if the Lions didn't draft TJ. It was maybe it was the worst signing of all time. It was just it, it was it was mind boggling. Not when it happened. It was fine when it happened. It was once you drafted Hawkinson and then you literally didn't use. I mean. Hell, they used Levine Toilolo more than they used Jesse James. Especially when they first signed him. Like, he didn't even prep the field. Like, TB, you nailed it perfectly. Like, when they signed him originally, I'm like, okay, he's fine. Yeah. Like, it'll, it'll be a nice red zone piece for Stafford. And then they go out and draft Hawkinson, and you're like, oh, they're using Logan Thomas instead of this guy? Like, what? And Logan Thomas right. turned out to be a pretty nice player in Washington. But still, like, just horrible signing. Yeah, it didn't age well at all, and that, that move is going to save you up to five mil, so, you know, good riddance there. Christian Jones, I'm not going to even waste my breath. Stinks. That saves you $2.6 million. And then Jamie Collins restructured is. I, I know you guys probably saw that. That saves you another $5 million. So, essentially, the Lions are going to be swimming in some of this dead money or whatever the hell it's called, but these moves were just inevitable, and if you're a fan of this team, you have to get a little psyched because this just means that Brad Holmes is – taking this rebuild job extremely seriously and it's 
it, it's it's sink or swim next season for a lot more guys. You know, Trey Flowers. He, I can totally see the Lions cutting him after next season or right before camp or, you know, or right before the start of the season, whatever the case may be. I know he's getting paid a lot of money. But I'm just saying Brad Holmes is making a statement here uh, sending some of these guys out the door. So, Collins, what do you think? I don't know. I, I think you guys covered it pretty well. I mean, Coleman, I mean, whatever. Like, it's kind of hard to pay a nickel back that much money when your cornerbacks are not a stable position. Like, I, I, I definitely think they're going to need to draft a cornerback at some point in this draft. Um, Jesse James, we already touched on that horrible contract. Christian Jones was so bad. And, like, when he signed that, I think everyone in, like, the media and everyone who watched the team was like, this is bizarre. Like, I, I, I don't get this. Why are we giving this guy more money? So, I mean, I, 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 I it's just like the classic, like, new regime comes in and says, we're going to get our guys. And, and regardless of, like, if these guys were, like, maybe, like, they could be better in, like, Campbell's system or, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, new D coordinator coming in, maybe they're better. But, like, I'm more than, like, the – like, I think this kind of all, like, comes together with uh, Kenny and Romeo, too, with these guys. I just think that, like – Holmes wants to start from scratch, and so does Campbell. And I think the first sign of that is when they gave him Dan Campbell's six-year deal. And we talked about that earlier, but I, I just – I think this is going to be a two-year process for Michigan – not Michigan State, excuse me. Uh, the Detroit Lions are just not going to be good, like, at all. Like, they, I, I truly think they have a bottom three roster in the league as we state, stand right now. So, I, I, it's just like – they're committed to like a full rebuild, and that's two to three years. So that's just what these moves mean. I would honestly, you mentioned Jamie Collins. They should hand him a severance package and like pay for him and his. He wasn't horrible like- last year. I'll do him that. You're just saying that because you have the same last name. He he sucked. He was terrible, dude. He's he, so slow compared to everyone. This team else. is I mean- so slow. Yeah, I know. So I know. I'm just saying hey, Collins, he wasn't. Collins. Let me ask. Compared you. to Christian Jones, Jamie Collins was Levante David or something. Like, I, I... Hey, hey, Collins, would you rather have Jared Davis back for a year or Jamie Collins back? Oh, Jared Davis. Even though Jared Davis, I don't know, think he understands what like cover two is. So <laughs> you might be right. Yeah. I just wanted to ask that question because I Davis is a free agent, correct? I believe so because they did not. Tender him last year, so it's going to be interesting. Whatever. Well, that's where we're at right now with the Lions. Good to have some news to talk about. Draft is what, in April, isn't it? Yes, sir. Yeah, they're like not having a combine. I was surprised by that. I did with like COVID. I did see that Dan Campbell was at Trey Lance's pro day today. I also saw that Brad Holmes said the Lions are absolutely not off the table for taking a quarterback at seven. You have to say that, though. No, I know, but it just you can't uh, show your hand. Can I get a little? Can I get a little hope that we might that we might draft someone, and I don't have to watch Jared Goff for the next six years? Dude, I I I, I really think that we can talk about this a lot later. I really think that they should move out of their pick. I do too. I do too. Because I think they're they're in a spot where I think they'll actually have a pretty good leverage. And like, if a Fields drops to seven, and you're not comfortable taking the quarterback this year, like you should absolutely move out of that pick. They will. Uh, if that's the case, if that's the case where like a guy like Justin Fields drops to them and the Lions are on the clock with Justin Fields, then we'll we'll see. If they pull the trigger, then all right, like that's balls on them. But they, they'll obviously they'll move. I think they're that's why you gotta say something like, Yeah, we're not off the table for a quarterback. You yeah, but they like, you hand. say that now, but like I feel like that never happens with the Lions. Once I've never like I can't recollect a time the Lions have moved out of the first round. 
So I don't know. We'll see. Leverage? Yeah. I yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I'm just. I think they have leverage to move out of the first round. Especially if you don't want to take Micah Parsons at seven. Right. Like yeah. maybe get him at like ten because I I think it's like the same situation where you're doing need over like talent base and you don't want to do that like you right. did with Jeff Okuda because that's a risky game. Yep. No doubt. No doubt. All right, let's do the uh, trifecta, and we will wrap up today's episode of the Motown Rundown. Okay, Trent's trifecta. Uh, let's let's see. Uh, Collins, I'm looking at the calendar here. you got a birthday coming up. Yes. So I want to ask, what are your plans for your birthday? Last year, you got a little screwed because COVID-19, the, the bars were shut down and everything. It was, it was the dawn of the pandemic. But now we're kind of – the pandemic is on its way out. And you got a birthday coming up. Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? Tuesday. Tuesday. What do you What do you got planned? What are you doing? Well, Wednesday St. Patrick's Day, obviously. So that's the plan, basically. Tuesday, like the parents come up, maybe like a couple, a sibling or two comes up, we go get dinner, whatever, relax, and then St. Patrick's Day full tilt. That's that was gonna be planned last year too. But the body, but, like it is what it is. All right, all right, very nice. So, I mean, having a birthday on a Tuesday, like who cares? Like yeah, like yeah, it's it's hard to get the people up and say, hey, let's go out. It's Tuesday. Yeah, no, I feel that. In between St. Patrick's Day and March Madness, and that's a couple days. That's a tough sell. Hey, you know what you should do on Tuesday? Uh, traditional wings at B Dubs are buy, buy one get one. Dude, okay, B- you're just B-dubs giving an ad out. What are ass. we doing? B Dubs wings are ass. Well, I know that, but they're buy one get one. How dare you? How dare they're you? So bad, dude. Are you kidding me? Are the sauces bad? I didn't say anything about the sauces. I said okay, the I was about to say, so shut your mouth about the wings. It's a whole component. Wow. Don't right. throw – B-dubs is very good for what it is. So don't I, I don't want any B-dub slander on this podcast. By the way, I, I, I don't think I, – I still have to decide if I'm going to wish Ryan Collins happy birthday this year because I don't think he wished me happy birthday. So. Oh, I definitely didn't. I for, completely forgot. <laughs> so we'll see. That's fair game. If you, no, no, that's fair game. If I didn't wish you happy birthday, you don't have to wish me a happy birthday. My friend, it, goes, it goes the same way. I, my, it's, it's like a yearly calendar, and it, like, flips – in yeah. the middle of the summer. No, some of my some of my friends always give me always give me shit because they're like, dude, literally every person that has a birthday, you are wishing them happy birthday on Facebook. And I'm definitely guilty of that because I just figure like, hey, I don't care how long it's been since we've talked. If it's your birthday, I'm gonna at least throw a happy birthday on your Facebook on your Facebook wall. But I will say, since my birthday this year in January, I've taken mental note of all the people who didn't wish me happy birthday. And so when I see them pop up on Facebook, if you didn't wish me happy birthday, you're not getting one from me this year. I'm gonna be honest, dude. I don't think I've been on Facebook for two years. I have an account. Just don't. I don't even bother looking at it. I love it. Anyways, I digress. Got another one, TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Question number two. What did you do to enjoy the nice weather? We had about a three-day streak where it was. <laughs> How was your day? 60 degrees to about 70 degrees here for three straight days in Michigan. So what what'd you do? Collins, I assume you spent some time outside. Well, what's it called? It was super nice on – this is like – everyone in college like knows this. There's like three – you always have like two to three weeks a semester where all your stuff is due at the same time. And it's just like, I got something on Monday, got something on Tuesday, got something on Wednesday, got something on Thursday. And then you're just like kind of over it. I was in the midst of this week, so I couldn't enjoy the weather, unfortunately. But it was very nice outside. Like, this place goes nuts when the weather turns. It's yeah, so, it's awesome. Like, it's the best. It's so funny. Like, I, I'm like driving to the gym because I'm like, I, I just finished my homework. I'm like, 
I don't plan on drinking or doing anything. You drive through campus. It's like three o'clock on a, like a Monday. People are getting after it because it's like, it's over 55 degrees. Yeah. That's the best. I, uh, I would say the only way that I celebrated the nice weather is I just, all the, my shorts are out now. I've had three or four days in a You're row. A short style. Shorts. People forget that. Yeah. I, I love anytime I get a chance to wear shorts, it's great. Well, it's because uh, you have such nice calves. You got thank great. You. Thank you very much. And to all the people that will tell me like it's genetic, I will say like my dad does have some great calves, but I, I, there's some work that gets put into these. A lot of it, a lot of it was involuntary of just being like a fat kid and having to carry around that weight and like on on my legs. So, but that's neither here nor there. No, I, I there was really not much going on. I, uh, I mean, obviously it's during the week, so there's not much you can do. I, uh, I went for a little walk. I walked around. It's just nice being able to walk outside and like it, it changes your mood completely. Like the first day this week when it was like 60 degrees and you step outside into the sunlight and you're like, oh, my God, like windows down, country music's blasting as I'm driving throughout the city. So that's been nice. I'd like to, I know it's supposed to kind of get a little bit colder here for the next couple of days, but I got to get I got to get the arm loose. I got to go through my. uh Dude, that's stretching a, routine get the get the mitts popping that's like the one thing living in a house that sits dudes like when it gets nice we got a football start tossing around shout out my roommate zach he actually went out and bought a football because we lost our other one goes out and buys a football you start throwing it as someone who's played who played baseball from nine years old to like not nine years old probably like seven years old maybe earlier than that to like 16 years old like every summer for a long time i can't throw a football for more than five minutes without my shoulder hurting and like i'm in mm. pain like oh, what position did you play? Second base. Oh, I had no arm. Nice. I had no. I had no <laughs> range. No range and no arm. I played the deepest second base. So I was basically in right field. Hey, that's fine. That's fine. I was. I was just expecting you to say like third because your shoulder's shot. No, I had. I've never had an arm. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> My shoulder just kills every single time I throw a football. Rams, what position did you play? Well, I was left-handed. I was. I am left-handed, so I pitched and I played first base. I did have a couple games behind the dish because my dad caught as a lefty too growing up, and he had a left-handed catcher's mitt. So I and I I would spend some time in the outfield, but that kind of ended when I told one of my coaches when I was playing JV baseball at Novi. Not a big deal, um, but I was asked they wanted to have my bat in the lineup, which was a mistake to begin with. Because I will say this, I didn't realize that I needed contact lenses until way too late in my career. So, and I found this out because my dad was like throwing BP to my brother at one of his baseball practices while I was in college. And my dad was like, you want to step in and take some cuts? And I was like, sure. And I realized I just couldn't see the ball. So that's how, that, that's what inspired me to get contact lenses, but they wanted my bat in the lineup. So my coach is like, Hey, we got a guy playing first base today. Uh, can you play the outfield? And I go, of course I can. And literally the first batter of the game, ball came right to me. I took two steps in, which is if you're a baseball player, you know, your first step's always back in the outfield. I go two hard steps in, ball goes over my head to the fence. I think the kid had a stand-up triple. So first base and pitcher to answer your question. I, 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 playing outfield gives me horrible anxiety. Well, very nice. Very nice. Um, last question. Selection Sunday is two days away. The Michigan State Spartans appear to have a safe bid at large into the NCAA tournament. My question, and Collins, we talked about this a little bit on green and white, is how many brackets do you fill out every year? Because, you know, there's guys who do a one one bracket, there's guys who do 50. So, Rabs, what do you, what do, you do? 
I I'm a one bracket guy, and this is this is kind of how I. I know you're, you're, when you say one bracket, you're saying like one. You made one bracket in both your pools. Say you're in like a couple. Yeah, pools. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, this is kind of how I would like. It's a similar line of thinking to how I want to kind of manage fantasy football and just getting myself down to one league, which I know is almost impossible. But the guys that have like ten different brackets, and you're watching, you're watching like Yale play like Iowa State. And you're like, oh well, in one bracket I have Iowa State winning. The other one that I have, it, it's it's so it's such. Nonsense. What's the point? What's it's the such point? Nonsense. Make one bracket. You can enter it in five hundred different pools. I don't care. But it's like, oh, I have the guys that are like, oh well, I'm a Michigan State fan, so I have Michigan State winning in one of my brackets. It's like, dude, I, like okay, I get you. Like I would rather have Michigan State win the national title versus winning my bracket pool but I'm making the bracket based on my, my education and the information that I have at hand and trying to win money. Like Michigan state ain't winning the tournament this year. I'm not going to send them in. Cause I went to Michigan state, make one bracket. Uh-huh. They might, they might. Let me, let me, let me, let me throw a theory at you about the bracket thing. I did it one year where I had the same first two rounds. And then when you get to the Sweet 16, you pick some different upsets and stuff just based on, you know, you could see one happening here, one in the other. I don't know. I hear you. I think it's, it gets difficult when you have that, like, in the round of 64. But I, I did it once where I, I had, like, four brackets, and I had the same first two rounds, and then Sweet 16 switched it up a little bit. What do you think about that? I think the only acceptable thing if you're going to do two brackets is you have the same bracket, basically everything first two rounds, all the way to the Final Four. You just switch your national title your champion, like in that national title game. You're like, I have one bracket where UNC is winning. I have one bracket where Michigan's winning. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's the only acceptable thing, and I don't even do that, to be honest. Yeah, it's not, it's not fun. I, I, I like that, like, I got, like, fine. It, it, it could keep your bracket alive longer, but, like, what's, uh, like, what's it's the just, point? It's just such a ridiculous, like, trying trying to watch a game and, like, not being able to have an emotion either way. Oh, it's the it's worst. Like, oh, it's, it's good. Like, worst. it's good for me. It's good for me in one bracket, but, like, oh, I wish they would have won in this one because this bracket's better. It's ridiculous. Like, no, that's that why, post, yeah, it's the worst. That's why you have a team. Like, you get your team. Who's your favorite team? When your team's playing, if they lose, you're devastated. If they win, you're elated. When you gamble, you don't, you don't, like, the guys that, like, hedge, like, I don't, I, like, have some balls. Like, I go never bet hedge. a game. Go What's bet a game. Go bet a game. Like, oh, well, if, if Michigan State doesn't cover here, I still make 13 cents because I hedged with the other team. Like, fuck that, dude. Let's go. Yeah, that's stupid. God I, damn. I, Ravs, I'm on your side here. Completely agree with you. Scared it's money just, don't make money. It's all No, those people are actually the worst people to watch March Madness with. Say, so, oh, let me check my bracket. I actually don't like remember who I have. Like, and it's <laughs> yeah. like, actually, I, I got Pitt in this one, eight, nine, and I got Missouri in my other one. Yeah. I'm like, dude, shut up. Shut up. If you're not going to be invested in it, don't watch the game with me. My best March Madness take ever, and by that I mean my worst March Madness take ever, was when I had Michael Porter Jr.'s Missouri Tigers going to the Elite Eight, and they got bounced in the first round. They were an eight- and that's Alabama, right? Yeah, they were an eight seed, and I was like, dude, they haven't had MPJ all year. He's going to come back, and they're going to be, like, sneaky good. No. They got blown out in the first round by, like, People- People forget that I'm pretty sure I'm a green and white report going into the NBA draft that Michael Porter Jr. was a part of. I'm pretty sure with Julian, when we were giving our NBA like preseason picks for rookie of the year, I'm pretty sure I said Michael Porter Jr. And he didn't play the entire year, his rookie season. <laughs> yeah. I, like that, that's, that's like one of my, 
That's like, well, I, well, that's, I don't know if I just didn't remember that he wasn't playing or if the news hadn't come out yet that he like, wasn't going to play his rookie year, but I was like, yeah, it's MPJ. No doubt. Didn't play. Right on game. March Do you Madness, forget Grabs is an MPJ guy. Yes. Yeah. I can't wait to listen to Greg Gumbel's voice and, and watch the selection show. I absolutely yes. love it. I love it every year. Fantastic. Be a 10 seed. They're going to beat the seven and then they might beat the two. So it'll be a fun, it'll be a fun, fun little year. I love when they – I just – people hate that Barkley, like, comes on and, like, because he, he doesn't watch college basketball. He, he doesn't know anything about, about it. Yeah. But I just – I love when they have him on, like, the bracket show with, like, Kellogg and, like, Kellogg actually knows what's going on. And you got Dumble and, like, Davis and you got Barkley there just like, well, I like that, coach. That's it. <laughs> like, that's basically all he like. Yeah, it's pretty entertaining. Like, I like Tom Izzo. I haven't watched him this year. But, yeah, they can make it run. <laughs> I love it. That, that concludes right. everything that I got. So thank you. Excellent. Well, that will also conclude today's episode of the Motown Rundown. Short week for us. We'll be back recording on Wednesday. So stretch it out. Get your, get your you recovery. Now, Rabs. I now know. It's on my I, shoulders. I know. I know. Uh, that's all for today's episode of the Motown Rundown for Trent Bailey and Ryan Collins. I am Ryan Rabinowitz. Submit any questions, comments, or suggest topics for the show at Motown underscore rundown on Twitter or on Facebook at the Motown Rundown page. Do not miss a single episode of the show. We're on Apple Podcasts and we're on Spotify. New episodes every single week on Thursday because we record on Wednesdays. No questions asked. We'll see you next time.